Hey there, welcome to the Literary Escapes podcast. I'm Becky, and I'm glad you're here today. If you're a fan of books that give you an escape or let you explore other cultures, then you're definitely in the right place. So I'm glad you've joined us today. Stick around. We've got a great author interview for you. So let's jump right in. Interviewing author Emily Bleeker. She is an award-winning, best-selling author and has a new book coming out December 1st. So let's jump right into the interview. Welcome, Emily. So how are you today? I'm great. I'm great. It's a cold day here, but where are you at? Uh, Chicagoland. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. I bet it is chilly up there. Yeah, finally. It's been actually quite disturbingly warm, so we're good. That's curious. Yeah, I'm down in Florida, and I I hate to use the word chilly, but it's chilly for us Floridians. (laughs) Where are you, Florida? I grew up in Winter Haven. Okay, I I live in DeLand, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very cool. So, small world. I love that. So, how did you get into writing? I see you've got some interesting things in your background as an educator, you do music and improv. And so how did all of that lead to writing? You know, I didn't actually like consider myself a writer for quite some time. I was an educator. I, you know, taught little, little kids though. So um, I started teaching writing to uh, the like third, fourth and fifth grade academically talented and gifted kids. That's like got an endorsement in that. And it was interesting. And I would write at the same time they would write, which I found very enjoyable. And then we would all share our writing, which was my first time I let anybody hear anything I wrote was children. So, <laughs> um, so it, it just kind of was something I did in secret uh, for a long time. And uh, you could have worse secrets, I guess. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> no, but when, when, you, I turned- when you wrote, did you write like children stuff? Well, I mean, with them, it wasn't with them? Like children's stuff. It was just, it was stuff that wasn't like explicit in any way. Right. But yeah. Whatever the prompt was. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the prompt was, I just wrote it. You okay. Know? Okay. So, um, so yeah, at that time I was definitely not diving into like the, the darker things that sometimes I explore in my writing now, but, um, so it, it was short, it was short. And so like, I started reading books about writing at that time too. So, okay. but I was not trained as a writer. And then when I turned 30, I had had cancer in my twenties. Wow. And so, and I had only been given like a 20%, I'm sorry, 30% chance of turning 30. And Holy moly. So, yeah. So when it happened, it felt like a miracle, you know, like I was Absolutely. given back all this time. And so I made some goals for my thirties. And one of my goals was that I would write a manuscript and I never thought it would be published, but that's how it started is I just was like, all right, I'll write this. And for the next three years, I wrote and wrote and wrote just whenever I had time, I, I had a baby during that time. So I would, she would be nursing and I would be writing off to the with one hand. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, and so that that's how I wrote wreckage. That's how a book. lot of the first manuscripts get done, isn't it? Right. With I love children that. about <laughs> exactly just fit in between life and yeah, you know, whatever exactly. the life looks like, that's how it goes. So that's amazing. Um so it looks like a lot of your books are more women's fiction. Is that accurate? Yeah. I think we call them book club fiction. So okay. That, I love you know, that. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, because I, I I actually have a book club and it looks like oh. stuff that I would choose. So I love that. <laughs> but, uh, and I, I was noticing you also have um, like questions for book clubs in the back of yes. your book. I love that. Oh, that's <laughs> I, great. Even if I wasn't doing it for book club, I still love that because it's fun to see what someone else thinks you should think about as you're reading or after you've read. And I just think that's so interesting when authors do that or publishers, whoever puts it you together. Know, the authors, as far as I know, I wrote all those. So okay. as far as I know, authors write them, but I don't know. I love that. Okay. Oh. And so you wrote your manuscript and then what did you do with it? So with Wreckage, it well, that was my first one. Um, okay. I wrote, I, I actually, I think I let some people read it. That's what happened next is I was like, oh, you want to read this? And they did. And then they're like, oh, I enjoyed this book. You should try and get it published. And I always say that I Googled how to get my book published and the internet like laughed at me because they're like, that's what everybody <laughs> wants to do. And um, so I learned that you had to get a, have a query and, I, and you had to get an agent, which means you needed to write a query letter. Mm-hmm. And that's a very specific type of a letter right. for people who don't know. Um, I, I said this the other day and the person I was talking to in an interview was like, I don't know what that is. So I'm like, I should probably remember okay. to explain it and not just speak in, in writing. Yeah. Like, author talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, but it's a, like a very specialized letter that you write to an agent to say, Hey, please read my book. But it only is supposed to be like 350 words. And it's supposed to be like, basically like the blurb on the back of your book. Like, and then you're enticing them to want to. Yeah. You have to capture somebody's attention very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, Hey, want to read it? So I, at that time was like, I'm still not actually going to try and get this published. I'm just going to try and write a query letter. So I spent the next six months trying to write a query letter. And I went on like websites, like agent query connect. I connected with people there. We like read each other's query letters. I made a lot of great connections. And then there was like a competition where you, it wasn't even really a competition. It was like the agent offered if whoever sends in their, their query letter on this one day, I will give you feedback on it. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. That's an awesome opportunity. Yeah, exactly. But I was like, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) It was too scary for me at that point. And, um, one of the ladies on it that I had met through one of these websites swore at me a lot and said, (laughs) you have to do it. And so I did. And she, it's not like I got picked up by that agent, but she said, this is a great query letter. Your pages are great. I want to pass this on to somebody else. And it gave me the confidence that I needed nice. to go for the next phase of like querying. So. That's awesome. Did it, did you not want to do self-publishing or was that not a thing at that point or? I was so far away from feeling confident about my writing at that time in my life that I was not in a place to be like, yeah, I'm going to definitely publish this on my own. I was just like, what is the next step? I'll do that. Yeah. I love that. And so I just kept doing the next step, the Mm -hmm. next step, the next step until it ended up that the book was published. (laughs) That's awesome. And so when, when was that first book wreckage? When was that published? That was published in 2015. That's awesome. What a what an amazing journey that must have been. It it was very surreal. Yeah. You know? Like that moment that my agent called me. I was at Boy Scout camp with my 
two little living your real life. Yep. Yeah. And she was like, can you have a call? And I'm like, absolutely. And she was like, congratulations, you're going to be a published author. Holy It was just kind of, it was, it was one of those moments that was like, whoa, you don't know is a life-changing moment, but is a life-changing moment. That's so fun. And that moment that you first told your book. Oh yeah. I cried. That's pretty surreal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. That that new baby moment where you're like, you were so beautiful. I did this. (laughs) I can't believe you came out of me. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's um, one of the weird things about publishing a book is you have this thing come out of you that's so personal, but then you have to let it go and kind of detach from it almost and let other people have their opinions about your baby. (laughs) It starts to belong to other people. After after a couple of, it's really after the first week after the book comes out, I stop reading reviews. So, because I'm like, all right, this belongs to the people. Now you guys, I will just, you know, go work on something else because I can't change this. You know, Mm -hmm. it is what it is. And you're moving on. You've, I mean, by that point, you've already started writing the next book and you're moved on. So yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, right now I've already finished another book when this book is coming out. So yeah, it's it's interesting how the cycle is because you've got a book coming out, but you've already got another one in the pipe and you're probably already writing another one. And so, yeah, planning out another one, you know? Yeah. That's so, I mean, cause I, so many authors, when I talk to them about whatever book has just come out, they kind of have to yeah. Remember what it was. Yeah. Thankfully, <laughs> like, wait a minute. The... That was a year and a half ago that exactly. I wrote that. <laughs> thankfully, the book I just finished writing is actually a follow up to the book that just came out. So, okay. All the same names. So I can remember them. <laughs> That's that interesting. It is it a series or just a. It's, I'm calling it a companion piece okay. because it's not exactly a sequel. Um, so when we were enemies is a dual timeline and it has Vivian Snow, which is back in time before she becomes famous. And then there's her granddaughter many, many years later. And she's working with a documentary team for when she, it, after her grandmother has passed away, the story I just wrote is all of the space in between that. Oh. So after Vivian becomes famous to when the end of that story is Ooh. it's like six decades which was a little ambitious yeah that's a little part, challenging but... to put into your 350 pages or whatever <laughs> yes exactly it, it ended up being a lot of words but you know it's it, it it was actually such a great I've never done this before I've never written a follow-up so or anything else that filled in any kind of blank so it was it was an interest I was glad they trusted in me to do that you know, as a reader, and, and obviously I'm guessing you're a reader as well. Cause most, oh, yeah. you know, writers are readers as well. Yeah. I love finding out about characters that I enjoy. And yeah. so as an author, it's like, you know, the story probably just cause you had to have at least pieces of it, but readers want to hear it as well, which is so fun. They want to stay in that world and which I hope they do. Like, I love that they want to. And I get messages after each book. I think there's only one book. I didn't get a, like, what is, is there a sequel to this? Uh huh. Every time. Is there a sequel to this? Is there, I want to hear so-and-so's story. What happened to (laughs) so-and-so? And And so this one, I get to finally be like, yes, there is. You get to actually hear (laughs) the story. So 
I'm just waiting for them to be like, well, what about somebody else's story? It's like, well, we're just going to Vivian. <laughs> we're going to go That's here. Yeah. <laughs> as we're going for now. That's awesome. So how do story ideas come to you? I... I've always said I have too many ideas. Like it's, that's actually what made me realize I was a writer before I wrote a lot. Um, there was once a lady who came to me and was like, and saw wreckage come out and be successful. And she was a stay-at-home mom. And she's like, I'd like to be a writer. And I was so excited. Cause I'm like, I love finding another writer. Like this is possible. Tell me what your ideas are. She's like, oh, I don't have any ideas. Oh. I just want to make more money. And I was like, well, good luck. Right? Yeah, exactly. Actually, this is not the fast way to money. <laughs> no, this is not. And so I was like, you probably now know you're not a writer if you don't have if ideas. If you don't have any ideas. And, exactly. Yeah. So mine just come to me as just a little thought. Uh, I'll write them down. I'll talk to somebody about them. I'll be like, Ooh, what about this? You know, my, my daughter came to me with an idea once. Oh, you fun. Know? Yeah. And my, my son helped me like figure out a twist in one of my books. So my kids are really, really, he's going That's into really cool. writing though. So I'm like, now I almost feel guilty. Like I stole it from him, but he gave it, he gave it willingly. <laughs> That's um, fun. Yeah. So it's really just, just playing around with ideas and having family and friends who are willing to do that. And I always say to my husband, I'm like, oh my gosh, you are so sweet to just sit here and talk through this imaginary world and imaginary people with me. That's so, so fun. Yeah. It is. That, so that's really how I do it. It's really just already there. It's just finding people who are willing to let me talk mm -hmm. about it. Cause that's the I, best. I, yeah. I get that. My husband read my first book that I wrote um, and it's a sweet romance. <laughs> And that's uh, not even close to his genre. Oh, that's so sweet. It was really sweet. And I, yeah. I was so grateful that he was, that he did that. So. And was he like, and so who is me? <laughs> Which one? Is <laughs> we didn't even go there. <laughs> but he was like, oh, that's cool. You know? so oh, like, that's great. I love that. <laughs> so that's funny. So you have strong female characters in your books. And how, how do you come up with them and how do you figure out what you want their journey to be? Yeah, I, you know, what's so interesting is I've noticed that people kind of have a hard time with my, with strong female characters. That's they curious, have, isn't it? It is like, and so men can have so many flaws. Like if you just think about something as familiar as Twilight and how flawed Edward is. If you truly look at that character, you're like, whoa, there is so much messed up with that guy. But yet everybody's in love with him. He's oh, Edward. Oh, yeah, exactly. exactly. But, but then you have an anxious, flawed female character and it's like, oh, she's so annoying, you mm -hmm. know? So that is definitely the, the balance that is difficult to have is having women who have flaws because also nobody wants a perfect person either. Right. Right. Because you know? then they're unrealistic and exactly. unrelatable and whatever. And so, I always, yeah. yeah, I always wait for like my edits for them to be like, oh, is this person likable enough? You mm -hmm. know? And um, I, I do think that I, I don't know that I have answers. I think it's just tweaking. I think it's just going through and tweaking and then also not caring if some people don't like your character, yeah. just like we don't have, we have to not care if people don't like us when we're right. being authentic. So, you know, it is an important note. It's not something to completely ignore, but right. like sometimes a strong woman is a, 
you know, like she's a strong woman and that's, that's just who she is. So it is really about feeling uh, sure of who your characters are and being authentic to that. And there is something that I always say is my characters make a lot of decisions that I wouldn't make and that I haven't even made for them. They just said, I just suddenly start writing something I thought was going to happen next. And I'm like, you know what? She would Are you not. sure you want to go there? Yeah. yeah. She wouldn't do that. That's not how she'd react. That's not how she'd respond. So sticking with that kind of authenticity has always been kind of important yeah. for me. That's I, I like that. Yeah. So tell us about um, when we were enemies and that's coming out in December like 12 first. days. Yeah. 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 It is right now. It's um, it's the Amazon first reads pick for, I saw for, that. Yeah. Um, so it's out in just that form, but when we were enemies is like I said, it's a dual timeline and it is uh, it's about when we were enemies. The title is really about um, how Italy during world war two uh, started out as our enemies. Yeah. And there were POW camps in the United States where where prisoners of war came and were brought from uh, the fight in Europe. And so, and they are, there were over a hundred thousand uh, prisoners of war here in the U.S. Holy moly. How yeah. did you learn about that? My grandmother worked at a POW camp and oh my, my dad gosh. just said it offhandedly years ago before I was a writer or acknowledged I was a writer. And I was like, what do you mean? She worked at a POW. Right. Where was she? Like, yeah. Yeah. And I had no, and he told me that she worked at a POW camp, met an Italian priest there and that they had their own platonic love story where they like became really close friends and wrote to each other. He would draw postcards, send them to her till he died. And so like they, they had this connection, you know, and I was like, Ooh, that's kind of juicy and interesting. And like, um, it just was also just something I wanted. I love history. So as time went on, I looked up like POW camps in the U S and, Oh, here's actually, this is so funny. This, uh, I was just rearranging my office, but like here, they were all POW camps. Michigan. I, there, the one I wrote about was in Indiana, like, um, so, but they're fascinating. So the, at first it was Italian POWs and then German POWs came a little bit later. Um, so during the summer of 1943, that's really about the only time that there were Italian POWs in these camps because in the fall of 1943, um, Italy switched sides and they surrendered and then they became our allies. Gotcha. And so that that's what the title is about. It's about this summer that she gets to know this. So there's this window of time. When we were enemies. Yeah. And then 90% of those uh, POWs, those Italian prisoners, joined the Italian service unit and became part of the U.S. Army. And wow. so they, so did most of those stay in the U S then they all stayed in the U S so they were not wow. able to go back home. Um, so the Geneva convention was, was really the conventions is what they really followed them closely. They, um, it was something that was actually really kind of frustrating at first for Americans because they're like, these prisoners are getting treated so, so well, and we're not getting treated well. Right. Over- and America was like, well, 
we want to follow. We just agreed on these guys after World War One. You know, yeah, we have to follow this. Yeah, we need to follow these rules, and they should be following them too. And um, so they followed the rules. We it it's brought up in great detail in the book, but they followed the rules very very specifically. And one of the rules is you can't send people back to a war prisoners back to a war-torn country okay and so they were still at war like germany was still invading italy even though they switched sides <clears throat> okay. and so they stayed here they worked mostly they went to like um shipyards okay and they worked in um building things so that that freed up people to be able to go work at at factories and stuff like that in their own areas so it was Interesting. kind of a down kind of a thing so that is so cool and so in these, like in Indiana or Michigan, are there big, like Italian neighborhoods because of this? No, there's not uh, there. I would say that most of them ended up in uh, like Boston. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Or New York. Yeah. Or a little more um, east <laughs> on <coast>. the coast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, but in some stayed, there were, there was a lot of involvement from like, especially uh, the Catholic church and like Catholic organizations coming in, they would have dances with the men. Like, and so a lot of these, there was a lot of like marriages that came out of it. Yeah. You know? um, wow. And sometimes the men stayed, but they were, they were repatriated back into their home country and then like had to come back. Ah. It's a very, that's a very interesting. How interesting. After. Wow. So yeah, that was all the interesting stuff I got to find out that I had no idea. Idea, you yeah, know? like and it's all just, from this off offhanded comment, comment that your grandmother dad. used to work at a POW camp. Yeah, yeah. So that's where it came from. And then I also it was a separate idea. This idea of like someone famous, um, like their grand, their famous grandchildren questioning. There was a question of where they came from, you know, okay. if the story that had been told was actually true. Right. And so that's the story that is explored in the modern day is this was what grandma told us and what the story was, was that actually true about grandma or was she just trying to cover, you know, some scandalous things that happened so that she could <laughs> you know, past because there were these, uh, codes, you know, that you had morality codes that right. you had to pass through in Hollywood. And if you didn't meet up to those morality codes, you could not have a career, especially and as a so, woman, I would imagine. Yes. Yes. There was absolutely. a lot of things that were covered up. I think that's what it was, is it was all covered yeah. up. I mean, everybody was completely salacious at the time, <laughs> but, but they just Bergman, didn't want it out to the general public. Yes. And, but Ingrid Bergman, she, she had an affair with a married man and she, it, she was open about it and she was blacklisted, you know? So she was blacklisted for years as a result of that. So it, yeah. it, it was a real threat. It was mm -hmm. really, truly a, a thing that if you didn't cover it up, well, it's not like they stopped doing it. Then, um, you know, there, I can't remember which actress, there was an actress who had a baby out of wedlock and pretended to adopt the baby who was her own child, just so that she could have her own daughter. And wow. her, she didn't even tell her daughter until her daughter was an adult, that her daughter was her biological child. My goodness. Yeah. So that's how tight that's kind of into my <laughs> second book, but like, that's, that's so how, interesting. I can't wait to read that yeah. one too. That'll be fun. So those are the kinds of things that like, that the, <laughs> this is 
um, not usually how I explain the book. So it's kind of fun because we're talking <laughs> about different things, but, but yeah. So for those morality codes, they're, they're like looking back to be like, what did grandma lie about? That's the modern day timeline. Nice. So had you written the dual timelines before? I have, I haven't okay. done, um, back in time as like, I haven't done historical back and forth. Okay. So, but I've, several of my books were dual timelines with like, uh, past and present, but like with five or six years between. Okay. Okay. And so how was it balancing the historical and the contemporary? I will say I wrote them, I started writing them back and forth and I ended up writing them each individually. So that's what I ended up. That's doing. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I even told my editor when I turned it in, I'm right. I'm like, I wrote both of these as their own novels yeah like uh, they were both and then about, kind of like, figured out where to tuck things in and yeah 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 so I knew what the big points were that I mm -hmm. needed to be parallels between the two of them and so working out some of that timing was interesting I also yeah. had written a pretty good uh like synopsis ahead of time and broke it up into that made it a little easier too yeah. but I did eventually just write it as two separate separate pieces. And I feel like that made it so that each storyline felt complete and not like it was just superfluous there so that we could flip back and forth. Right. Right. That's interesting. I, I talked um, with Reese Bowen one time and she yeah. had just written a dual timeline one and it was her first one. And she said that she had to like line it her hallway with one of the things and then figure out where the other one fit in. <laughs> <laughs> and yes very visual and had visual. to actually see it yeah so yeah I I've done it before where like I will put it on a calendar or I'll do something like yeah. that but this one is so far apart that I wouldn't have been able to <laughs> but like you said you had the points that had to match had up points. between the historical and the contemporary yeah. and that that's a good way to kind of keep you on track I guess right and thankfully I had those figured out I used to be a not a planner. I was not a plotter. I was a pantser as they yeah. say, you know, I would write by the seat of my pants be like, Oh, what's going to change. I have changed as I've gotten older. And as interesting, I okay. where, I mean, when you're writing a proposal, you have to turn in like a 10 page synopsis, single space, which is, it's very detailed. That is. And I've come to find that if I do that really well, if I really figure out the story ahead of time, things can change and they do change. Like I said, if you listen to your characters, but I find that if I do that, what I'll do is after, once I get going, I'll break up the rest of the, the synopsis and put the, it in um, like a heading for each chapter before I write it. So then I know like, all right, this chapter is going to be this. It makes it so much easier for me to draft. Nice. And then I can mess with things when I go back if I want to. But lately I've been really into just like just get that first draft out there, really see how things are and then mess around with it. Nice. So do you, do you consider yours having like a mystery that runs through them? I feel like every book that I write is going to have two things. It's going to have some sort of mystery and it's going to have some sort of romance. <laughs> like okay. I, can't, I can't have a book that doesn't have both. Cause I'll be bored. Like, <laughs> like everybody loved Harry Potter and I'm like, no, there's no real romance. Like they're eight, which is yeah, right. <laughs> but but like, yeah. I need it, you know, so I could never get into it. I'm like, oh, That's magic. So funny. maybe yeah. the adults should be doing this guys. You know, like, 
so but um but yeah so I definitely will always have those two things because that's what keeps it interesting for me as a writer. Right. And it has to. That's, um, yeah. yeah, that's it. You have to stay interested in what you're putting out there. Otherwise, you're going to burn out and right. that's Absolutely. not going to work very well. So, and you have an element of the truth must come out. Yes. And lives might change because of it. In every book, I think though, because I think one one thing that is like across the board for all of my books is this idea that we put out a facade. Everybody has secrets, you know, everybody has a story and you can look perfect on the outside or you're the house. I think I use a house analogy at least one time, probably two, I think in two different books where it's like the house can look a certain way on the outside and inside you have no idea what's going right. on, you know? And so I really feel that way about people and mm -hmm. I love it. Like it's what makes people, this is why I don't like small talk, like small talk. I just find the most boring thing ever. Cause I'm like, Oh, I don't really care how you feel about the weather. I mean, I'm glad you like it or whatever <laughs> Right, you right. Do those social things. But, but what I really want to know is like, what was your most traumatic moment in childhood? You know? Well, like, yeah. When you get invited into that house of them, Yes. and start seeing some of their different rooms. That's, that's when life becomes real. Yeah. Well, friendships become real. Well, and that's when you also see that we all go through stuff. We, mm -hmm. we people like the human experience becomes more real at that moment. And I think that's one thing I love about books is it creates empathy, you know? And once you get to experience somebody else's life through right. reading it, their truths. You, yeah. Exactly. You get to develop empathy that you don't have from experiencing just your one life. Yeah. That's um, I, my book club. I've had it for the last three years and we travel around the world in our books. And so every oh, month cool. we visit a different place yes. and we have read books from all around the world. And some of them are American authors that wrote in that country, but some of them right. were people who had lived there. And it's so interesting to see the world from different perspectives, like you right. said, you know, on um, how different people get through life. Yeah. Yeah. And it changes you. Yeah. Like, and if it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's why people can be afraid of books is because mm -hmm. it can change. They can change, yeah. you, you know, it changes and, hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uncomfortable and scary. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are very comfortable with who they are and where they are and right. don't want to go anywhere else. So yeah, I, exactly. I get that. That's interesting. You, okay. This is going to be a, a shift and sure. take a, take a right turn here. So you have on December 9th, a totally lit provised book launch that yeah. sounds so much fun. I wanted uh, to hear about that. Yes. Well, I, so I do improv, um, a lot of weekends out of the year on Saturday nights at a local uh, improv theater. Um, and so my, my publicist was like, why don't you mush your two things together? <laughs> and I was like, how would we do that? And so kind of came up with this idea of doing a completely uh, like literature inspired night. Uh, for the book launch. So it'll be like all literature themed games and activities that How we do fun. on stage. 
Um, and I'm, I'm actually not performing. I'm just going to be hosting. Cause I'm like, I'll be author Emily that right, night, yeah. but I have a great cast of people who all have like our writers, teachers, you know, so they're all coming in. They're improvisers, but they also have a background in literature as well. Oh, how fun. Had, yeah. We've been having some fun rehearsals, so I'm, I'm really excited for it. They're a great group. And, and then we'll just do the normal book launch stuff afterwards okay, uh, and then do a, a little book signing. And that is so I'm clever. Excited. I love that idea. I, I'm nervous. Like it's one of those things that's like, I've never done this before, Yeah, but, but I am, I am excited to give it a, give it a try. It'll be time. fun to hear how it goes. That's, uh, yeah. that's fun. And people are going to have a good time. And if it's literature so. based, it's going to be book people. So, right. Yeah. And I think it will be you know, I think that literature people like book people, we all want, actually want to be on stage, but we're introverts also. So it's mm -hmm. like, Hey, now you can live through some other people who are on stage. Exactly. And, and it is funny. A, little bit. a lot of authors are introverts and yes. the marketing of their book and the putting themselves out there is the really hard part. Yes. And yeah. You know, I would say I, I'm extroverted, but I also have introverted, like put me in a room of people I don't know, and I am going to be quiet and shy and yeah. nervous. And like, if, if you put me in charge of something, I can be better. I can yeah. extrovert all day, Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, put me someplace where I don't know anyone, or I have to talk about myself. I, this is fine. Us one-on-one. -on -one yeah. But it it is hard. It's hard. Everything, yeah. You know, it is hard. Like want to, you know, hear about my inner workings of my whole entire <laughs> life. Okay, cool. Let's talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. It's it's interesting how all of that works. Uh, you know, it's yeah. We can put a book out there with all kinds of characters. You know that may be the same as us, maybe different than us. What you know, whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, when you start having to put your true self out there, that's, uh, or to talk about these people that are flawed yes. or weird or whatever that you right. created. Right. And then just come up with like all of the things that you need to, to talk about, like, and it is, it's, it's a very vulnerable experience, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. it, it's a very vulnerable experience going out there. And also there are people who are like, stop talking about yourself, <laughs> you know, or at least that's the fear. Oh, your you're head. still doing books. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's got another one. Okay. <laughs> but I had to tell myself, like, especially social media, which can give me some anxiety because mm -hmm. I'm like, this is my job. Like, I have to remember, this isn't me just being like, look at me, this is my job. Yeah. Like, and that's okay. It's okay. Like, you don't look at, like, I almost said Sears. I don't even think Sears is- Are they around still? <laughs> you don't look at a Sears ad and be like, Sears, you're sure getting full of yourself. You exactly, know? <laughs> right. Jeez, are you talking about yourself again? Jeez, <laughs> those pants sure go high on your waist, uh, you know, like- <laughs> So yeah, it is, it is an interesting thing that is giving yourself permission. That's what I'm finding as, as a creative person is giving yourself permission to go out there is almost harder than anything else you do. It is hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, yeah, definitely. Um, gosh, I had a question and it just went away. It's because I said Sears too much. <laughs> I just I'm sure. You. <laughs> um, 
speaking of characters, who is the favorite character that you have created, do you think? Let's see. My favorite character? Hmm. I am, I always say I'm slightly in love with uh, Dave from my first novel, Wreckage. From Wreckage, uh-huh. Like I'll, I'll just always have a crush on him a little bit. Though Trombello from this book and the next one, he's the priest character. Oh, okay. Uh, he, I like him a lot too. I, I love Vivian's sister. You don't see a lot of her in this one, but her name is Aria. Really love her. So Aww. I don't know. There are, it's hard to... It's like, hard to who's your favorite one. child <laughs> i know i know i feel like i should cover the ears of all of my books and be like, but i love you too love you <laughs> just different you're all great yeah definitely yeah. yeah that's fun awesome so the next so when we were enemies is coming out december 1st and then the one that's coming after that that you're working on right now does that have a title yet or uh, it has a working title. I don't know if it's the official title yet, but I titled it When We Dared to Dream. Oh, I love that. So, because it's just about all of the, because she <laughs> starts out right before she becomes famous, you know? So it's yeah. all of the dreams that they have that, how and fun. like, how worthwhile are, is it to follow <laughs> those you know? Nice. That's really so. cool. I love that title. That's, I hope it sticks. I know. I hope so. You never know. Some of you them, don't. Some yeah. Books, some books they do. Most of my books have changed, but I okay. guess we'll find out. Well, if they change it, it'll hopefully be better. So I'll subtitle it when we dare to dream. There you go. <laughs> well, when what, does, is there a release date on that one yet? No, it'll be, I think within eight months of this one, eight nice. to nine okay. months. So it'll That's be pretty bad. fast. You don't have yeah. to wait a full year for that one. That's so. awesome. Okay. Yeah. And do you already have the next one after that lined nope, up? I, no, I am plotting that one out. So we're we're in edits right now for when we dare to dream. Nice. So. Okay. And Excellent. Then thinking about the next one, have ideas for the next one, but haven't pitched it yet. Love it. That'll be fun. So where can people find you on social media? Where do you like to hang out? Um, I am on all of the places, but it's just Emily Bleeker author for Instagram and for Facebook and then TikTok as well. Um, my TikTok content can be sporadic as some is book related. Some is just my life with my family. So <laughs> just be warned about that. Um, but, but yeah, and then I, I am at emilybleeker.com too, for my, my website where I nice. do blog posts and stuff. Mm -hmm. like and you have a newsletter that people can and hop on. To, yeah. Awesome. I will make sure I link to those in the show notes. Great. And thank you for joining me today. This was a really fun conversation. Yes, this was so fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah, happy to. And uh, I'd love to have you again when the next one comes out. Okay, thank you. I would love that. Have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining me today on the Literary Escape Podcast. If you enjoy hearing the behind the book story, then join me in the Literary Escape Society. We are a community of travelers who love books or maybe book lovers who love to travel. Either way, if you need an escape, a literary escape, come join us as we read our way around the world together, one book at a time. Check out the show notes to learn more about the Literary Escape Society. And we'll see you next time on the next episode.